welcome again to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the week in review for the week of 2-21-2020. Before I even get started, I have a bone to pick with WWE right now. WWE is supposedly, well, reportedly in talks to sell its pay-per-view rights to ESPN, which would then stick them on ESPN Plus, the subscription service for ESPN. And this is according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. And they became interested in selling their pay-per-view rights after... Uh, seeing after seeing uh, that ESPN pays UFC a large amount of money to air its pay-per-views. But you know what, WWE? This ain't going to fly with me if you do this because UFC is currently charging... So you have to get ESPN Plus. You have to pay $4.99 for ESPN Plus. But then if you want a pay-per-view, you have to pay $64.99. Ain't no flipping way I'm paying $64.99 to watch a WWE pay-per-view. And if they do this and they move it to uh, ESPN+, Plus, bye-bye WWE Network subscription, because that's the... that's kind of the main point of having the subscription service and it being $9.99 a month. I get it. It's it's a money-making business. But from a fan standpoint, it makes it unaffordable to watch WWE pay-per-views. And I don't really want to see that. So hopefully, keep it on the network, please. I don't care if I have to pay $15 or $20 per month for the subscription. It's worth it. But if you start airing pay-per-views on ESPN, I will guarantee, ESPN Plus, I guarantee you lose watchers. I guarantee it. I'm going to get off my soapbox. Let's get this started with Monday Night Raw. This week, it's going to be Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite, and Ring of Honor TV for this week since it was the Circle Square, the new, t- new series for NWA power was off for a week. <laughs> Made a joke there. Power was off for a week. But uh let's go start Monday Night Raw. So Orton cuts a promo at the beginning of the Raw. Matt comes out and interrupts us in a neck brace. And ultimately, Matt just gets absolutely wrecked. Just gets wrecked. Matt cuts a promo saying no one can take his passion away from him. Matt wants to fight but he can't get cleared. It was supposed to be a street fight, but those plans were nixed. Uh, Orton says he's a sitting duck and he'll, he can do whatever he wants with him right now but he says he respects Ed, uh, Matt and he loves Edge as a brother Orton says he's sorry and leaves the ring but then he comes back, attacks Matt Hardy and just hits him with an RKO uses the chair pretty much to decimate Matt he, he concertos him on uh, the steel steps ultimately this should be the final time we see Matt Hardy on WWE TV probably for the rest of his career until his Hall of Fame induction but Orton does it again and wow this is the Randy Orton we've been missing for so long I love 
psychotic Randy Orton. This is the best version of Randy Orton around. Up to after that, we get Rowan versus Aleister Black, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a non-squash match. We've got Eric Rowan against Aleister Black. Oh my gosh, they didn't have enough jobbers for him tonight. But uh, it wasn't a bad match. Uh, Aleister Black wins it with Black Mass, continuing his momentum as he heads towards WrestleMania. It'll be interesting to see who he faces coming up at WrestleMania. Hopefully he gets a big match. I want to see him get a big match. He deserves a big match. And I was happy he didn't have to face a jobber this week. Him and Rowan got to work together. They didn't do bad. And uh, it was fun. After that, we get Charlotte Flair addressing her actions from last night. It was the night after NXT TakeOver Portland. And it was uh, Flair jumping Rhea Ripley after her title defense. And pretty much saying how her NXT class built NXT, well, how her class built NXT, and what's bothering her about Rhea Ripley is entitlement. She doesn't think Rhea Ripley earned anything like she did, and uh, she says the audacity she shows the showing the title she brought prestige to on her show, which she was claiming NXT, but uh. She showed up on Raw with the NXT title, and Charlotte Flair wasn't too happy about it, and says she'll humble her at Mania. And everyone's the next big thing until they're not. She says that at the end of her promo. Not bad promo from Charlotte. Uh, Getting some hype going towards this WrestleMania match between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. And and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but I don't think this was necessary for uh, Charlotte to win the Rumble. You didn't have to have Charlotte win the Rumble to get to this. We could have had Shayna Baszler win it, and it would have accomplished, it could have accomplished the exact same thing the other way. After that, we get Riddick Moss versus Mojo versus R-Truth for the 24-7 championship. (laughs) R-Truth hits a five-knuckle shuffle during this match, honing in his childhood hero, John Cena. Mojo hits his finisher late in the match. Riddick Moss ends up getting an inside cradle on Mojo to defend his title. R-Truth at post-match hits a scissor kick on Mojo. And like I said, this was kind of pointless. The 24-7 title has been kind of a jo- uh, boring recently. It was more fun when it was roll-ups and stuff. But I know they're trying to do something different with it. It's just not flying with me. Mojo, as much as they've tried, Mojo is not interesting to me at all. And Riddick Moss is not really interesting to me either. But... Riddick Moss hasn't really gotten a chance to shine yet on the main roster because he's just kind of getting these fluke wins against Mojo. And at least R-Truth got the scissors kick uh, Riddick, uh, not Riddick Moss, but Mojo Raleigh. But yeah, Riddick Moss defends his 24-7 championship. And after that, we get the follow-up to the McIntyre MVP segment, the VIP lounge from last week. It's a match between the two. Drew cuts a promo beforehand. Pretty much saying he's going to burn Suplex City to the ground. Uh, Heyman interrupts for a moment. And they think Brock's coming out, and he's not. And Heyman cuts a promo. McIntyre retorts. And Heyman then hypes up MVP. And then MVP pretty much says he has an issue with him. 
And he got cheap shot last week. And this ended as quickly as it should have been. Well, po- ended as quickly as it pretty much started because this one ended quickly. So MVP gets a cheap shot and boot before the bell. But uh, the bell ring, a big boot for McIntyre. He mauls MVP, hits a future shock DDT, Claymore kick, one, two, three win, what it needed to be, and it keeps building McIntyre towards Mania, giving him dominant wins over veterans, veteran opponents like MVP. Then we get a Becky Lynch promo. Becky, Becky saying she doesn't have any use for fame, but what she does have use for is fortune, throws some money out, out of a plastic, uh, not plastic bag, a paper bag, and it's a pretty much putting a down payment on her violence against Shayna Baszler and the fine she'll be paying after the things she does to her. And she says, I quote, predators weaken prey for, before they end them. And Becky says she's ran through all the best, Asuka, Charlotte, Sasha. The list goes on and talks about her chamber match and then Shayna backstage is talking about her chamber match, which is, I don't understand why they even set the, the way they set this up was kind of dumb because they just threw everybody in the match. It's like, oh, let's not do any qualifying matches for the chamber. Let's just throw these people in the match. Like Sarah Logan, who hasn't done anything relevant in months, just throw her into the match with no build. At least they could have done it was a couple of qualifier matches instead of getting some pointless stuff later on. But we, we know Shayna's going to win this. But uh, Shayna said she's going to tear the living... Shayna says she's going to tear the living bleep out of Becky. And Becky says, oh, she'll be watching. And that's going to hype their matchup at WrestleMania because we all know Shayna Baszler is going to win the Elimination Chamber. After that, we get backstage... Well, Charlie backstage with Angel and Bobby. And they come together. After that, we get Rusev and Humberto versus Lashley and Angel Garza. Uh, before Garza, before the commercial, Humberto hits a dive on Garza. Post-commercial, hot tag to Rusev, unloads on Garza. Then Lashley, roll up Garza, super kick, near fall, broken up by Carrillo. Exchange, dive by Carrillo, Lashley spear on Carrillo. Rusev then blasts Lashley with a clothesline. Lashley grabs Rusev's leg as he goes up top. Rusev fights Garza off, headbutted off middle rope, gets the two count. Accolade reversed. Machka kick from uh, Rusev on Lashley. Roll up Garza with the tights to win. And yet Rusev still looks like a dork. That's what I got from this mainly. Rusev still looks like a dork. What was the point of this? Again, I know they're building Humberto up to hopefully uh, win the U.S. title here soon once once, uh, Andrade comes back. But why do they continue to make Rusev look like a dork? I, I'm assuming that he's going to not sign a new contract for the company because there was rumor and innuendo about him not getting a new contract and him being in kind of a contract dispute with WWE. Honestly, I hope he leaves. He could be treated so much better somewhere else. I think a great place for him would be New Japan. I feel like his style would work there pretty well. After that, we get a Monday Night Messiah sermon. And pretty much some quotes from that is uh, 
Rollins says, celebrate progress, future moving forward in our vision. You can achieve with belief. Such and such preachy, preachy Rollins. That's what I said. <laughs> such and such. Yeah, that was not a direct quote, but that one was, well, the second one was not a direct quote, but you can achieve belief and such with the preachy, preachy Rollins stuff that we got before as a face. It works so much better as a heel. It says, the work begins now, and I quote, takes his role seriously as the Messiah. Phase is two, says phase two is necessary and for the greater good. Seek out the weak and fix and destroy them if you have to. This is the gospel. No complaint. We'll suffer same fate as weak. Not no complaint. Not compliant. We'll suffer the same fate as the weak. That's what I meant. And then the Raiders, Viking Raiders show up and interrupt and clean house and KO Sons Rollins on stage. This pretty much sets up a six-man tag at the end of the show. We've seen this before. We see it again this week on Monday Night Raw, unfortunately. And then we get Charlie with Seth backstage. And well, Seth and company. And he cuts a promo, little promo and stuff. The only people that give him respect are his uh, buddies. And then the AJ Styles, the AJ Styles, and the OC come out and pretty much tabs himself the new Mr. WrestleMania. And he has one question to ask, and it's who's next? He doesn't care. Ricochet interrupts and tells AJ that he's earned his match with Brock, and they laugh at him. And Ricochet challenges AJ to a match, but they let... But Carl Anderson steps up and takes on Ricochet. And Ricochet wins this match with a 630. Actually, it wasn't a 630. It was a uh, super kick and then followed by a GTS with a kick to win the match against Carl Anderson. It wasn't bad. What was it needed to what it was what it needed to be and Ricochet gets some more momentum as he heads towards Super Showdown in his matchup against the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. And Liv backstage cutting a promo with Charlie. and Well, not cutting a promo, but an interview with Charlie uh, talking how they tossed out of the Ruby Riot return happened last week. And she, her friend turned on her and they tossed their friendship aside. It says that she isn't broken. And she's going to eliminate Riot in the Elimination Chamber and get a match at WrestleMania. And then we get the main event with the Viking Raiders and Kevin Owens versus Murphy and AOP. I didn't really enjoy this until the post-match. But uh, Street Profits after the DQ. Um, make the save. And him and the Raiders surround Rollins. Rollins runs off. It was a beatdown of the AOP and Murphy and a huge frog splash by Montez Ford. And really, this is finally something productive that the Street Profits are doing. They're working with Seth Rollins and company. Thank you. Giving them something relevant to do instead of talking backstage. I thank you, but the match I didn't really care about. It's the same thing we've seen weeks after week after week with these six. But finally, we get the Street Profits involved. Somebody new 
in the equation. But it was an alright episode of Raw, not one of their better ones, but I like the stuff with McIntyre. I liked the stuff with Orton. I love the stuff with Orton. That was the best stuff on the show. Almost forgot there was a match between Kyrie Sane and Natalia. This was kind of pointless. Kyrie Sane wins by countout. Moving on. And then I watched AEW Dynamite from Atlanta, Georgia. And we start out with the tag team battle royal to determine the number one contenders. Dark Order shows up early, saying the exalted one is on their way. There was a little thing in this match where Jericho and The tag team battle royal determined number one contenders. That was the first match of the show on AEW Dynamite. Dark Order shows up saying the Exalted One is on their way. And there's rumors spreading around that it's Matt Hardy. But we find out also later in the show it could be someone else as they were shown in the crowd. But there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. But really my thoughts on this battle royal were it was pretty good. There was some... Fun strike exchanges from uh, the Blade and Luchasaurus. Final four teams with the guys involved were Butcher, Blade, Best Friends, and Nick Jackson. Proud and Powerful were also involved in this. And Taylor gets eliminated first by Butcher. Orange Cassidy saves Trent from elimination. So... I like the way this battle royal was formatted. It was if you're it was you have to eliminate both partners to eliminate the entire team. But uh, then Blade gets drop kicked out by Trent, and then and Matt Jackson, Matt Jackson and Trent hug. Cassidy gets nut shotted by Bunny. Blade eliminates Trent. Matt spears Blade out of the match, and then it's Matt versus Santana and Ortiz in a two-on-one situation. I almost thought they were going to go with Santana and Ortiz in this situation, which I would have been interested in too. But the real story is going to be coming up at the pay-per-view revolution. But a street sweeter, sweeper, a street sweeper from Santana and Ortiz. Ortiz then gets super kicked out, super kicked to Santana. Then Sammy Guevara tries to get involved. And he eats one of the biggest super kicks I've ever seen. He goes for a springboard and he literally, he eats Matt Jackson's foot. I think he was pretty much decapitated during this match. But then Matt eliminates Santana with a clothesline to win the Battle Royal. And we're going to get a big clash coming up at a AEW Revolution coming up next Saturday. I'll have that review up for you coming up on Sunday next, not Sunday next week, but the week after. <laughs> it's the pay-per-views on the 29th. I'll have that up on the 1st of March. But yeah, it's going to be a heck of a show. Lots of good matches coming into that. But uh, Matt Jackson wins. It's setting up the tag match between the Bucks and Paige and Kenny Omega. After that, we get Chris Statlander versus Shanna Statlander, the number two 
contender for the AEW Women's World Championship. We got Britt Baker joining commentary, doing her heel shtick. Pretty good stuff. Good match with the right winner here, Statlander, winning it with her Big Bang Theory. It's like a tombstone pile driver, but it's like a package tombstone pile driver. Good back and forth action between these two. And I like one comment uh, JR said during this match is they were calling pie faces. He's like, I don't like pie face. I, like, maybe I like cake. Why don't they call it cake face or something like that? I thought it was pretty funny. There was also a really good blue thunder bomb by Statlander in this match. Just, I appreciate a good blue thunder bomb. It's a beautiful sight to see, but good match between Statlander and Shanna. After that, we get Nyla Rose speaking with Tony Schiavone. She complains about the greeting she gets, booed from the crowd, calls them bees. It's pretty much buzzing around or whatever. Calls what she did to Riho Justice, and she should have been champion a long time ago. Should have been, would have been, could have been. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. But, uh, and she's like, oh, well, this is what happens when I get hungry. She breaks the name for a female dog, the plural version. Uh, tells Shivani that Courage didn't get Riho anywhere, and she's power. And says she's going to never lose the title. She's going to be a one-time champ. Good stuff from uh, Nyla Rose here. And then we get a video showing how Jeff Jeff Cobb came onto the scene the last week. I apologize for struggling to talk tonight. I don't know what's going on. But we get John Moxley versus Jeff Cobb. Pretty good match. Late in the match. A German by Cobb. Mox snow sells the clothesline. Later, a superplex by Cobb is reversed into an inside cradle by Mox to get the win. Jericho and Guevara and Hager beat him down for a second post-match. You know what I liked? They protected Cobb here. Cobb looked really good in this match. Cobb was just dismantling Moxley, throwing him all over the place, and beating him up. But this kind of finish protects the... Uh, Cobb because he just kind of got caught it wasn't like Moxley definitively beat him he got him with a roll up he catched he caught him with a the inside cradle getting the win but then Dustin shows up post match gets beaten down we get the lights going out and guess who it is it's a returning Darby Allen really good pop for him coming out every hits everyone with the skateboard clothesline by Dustin to take Hager out Skateboard use by Allen on Guevara. Takes Cobb out also. And Mox hits a paradigm shift. Uh, Jericho and Mox stand toe-to-toe. And then Jericho, he gets out of dodge and gets out of the way. Giving us some build and hype coming towards uh, the uh, title match at Revolution between John Moxley and Chris Jericho. And we got to see Jeff Cobb and John Moxley mix it up. The one thing I didn't... There's one thing from this match I forgot to note. Sammy Guevara was ringside, and this is less than an hour after he got his super kick, super he got his head super kicked off. I I would appreciate that's one little thing I would appreciate is the selling of that super kick because he pretty much got decapitated, but yet he's perfectly fine walking back uh, with his tickets with Jericho to watch the match. And I didn't really understand that. I wish they would have sold the effects of the super kick a little more there. But good match, fun segment. 
And actually, I think we saw Raven in the crowd, and he's also a rumored face for the, well, rumored leader. We also saw Raven appear during this segment, I'm pretty sure, and he's a he's rumored to be the exalted one for the Dark Order. That'd be interesting too, either him or Matt Hardy. I don't care, as long as it's somebody interesting and cool. After that, we get the AEW Tag Team Championship match between the Lucha Bros and Adam Page and Kenny Omega. And I said this is a really good tag team championship match. There continues to be communication issues between Kenny Omega and Adam Page, but... They pull it together for long enough to get the job done here late in the match. It's the Lucha Brothers going for their package pile driver combo. And Kenny Omega hits a snapdragon suplex on Penta. Knees Phoenix midair. Tiger Driver 98 on Phoenix. And this has been a this was a pretty crazy tag match overall. I'd go back and at least try to watch the highlights of this one. It was pretty fun. And Kenny Omega is looking for his one-winged one-winged angel. He gets it countered by Phoenix. Blind tag to Page. Buckshot V-trigger combo to get it done for the tag champs. They retain the Bucks and them kind of meet in the ring. They're looking to, well, Matt and Nick are kind of consoling Kenny while Page looks on. Page kind of just leaves once again, kind of being that lone wolf. Goes and drinks a beer ringside. But a very good tag match. And then we get a video showing their action figures, the new uh, AEW action figures. I think it was Jericho, uh, the Bucks, and Cody. And these things looked really good. These rivaled WWEs. Like the, they were very, very good. Very realistic looking action figures. And then we get Cody with Arn and Brandy versus Wardlow with MJF inside a steel cage and this steel cage looked freaking awesome this steel cage looked awesome and this match was pretty dang good because uh cody sold like a mother for wardlow made wardlow look like an absolute beast Cody couldn't get it done with his crossroads. Cody actually got thrown in the cage. He was bleeding during the match. Cody actually fell in between the cage and the uh, ring. So there was like a little gap. There was a big enough gap between the ring and the cage that you could fall uh, between it, which I like. That is a new kind of take on a cage. And But MJF being an a-hole during the match, almost coaxing Arn into uh, hitting Cody with the cage door. This cage match, you can't win by escaping, pinfall, or submission. I enjoyed that because the whole idea of a cage match is to keep people inside of the cage and not to run like a scapegoat. But, uh, no, very good match. Wardlow Wardlow looked good. Cody sold his butt off for him, made him look like a beast in his first match. Cody hit him with a crossroads. Didn't get the win there, but he had to dig into his arsenal climb up to the top of the steel cage and boy this steel cage was huge this is a big steel cage and they had a cool little view uh the wily coyote camera as a as uh 
Jerry Lawler used to call it. Cody going for a moonsault off the top of the cage. And boy, that was a picture you will remember for quite a long time. Cody Rhodes hits a moonsault off the top of the cage. No hesitation at all. He just, he literally trusts Wardlow with his life because he didn't even look back. He climbed up, just did it, and hit a moonsault. Wow. What a match. What a way to end the show. A memorable, memorable moment to end the show. And it's going to be fun when we get to Revolution. Cody versus MJF. What a show by AEW. Really, really, really strong outing by them. And they continue to do great things week in and week out. And we get to the final show of this week. Kind of a one-time feature, at least for a while. It'll be Ring of Honor TV. And... First off, we get a recap from the Philly tag team match at Final Battle Fallout with Josh Woods and Silas Run, Silas, Silas Young against the Briscoes and uh, talking about Jay Lethal and Gresham getting involved to help Young and Woods become the number one contenders. We have an eight-man tag match coming up later in the night, but first off, we get Bateman and Vincent versus Lifeblood. We get a couple of highlight, highlight reel highlights from uh, previous matches. It was uh, Alex Zane versus Bandito, and it seemed like this was a pretty good match. Alex Zane getting a win after a ripcord pump handle driver, and then we get a photo shoot with Joe Hendry and Dalton Castle, and that's kind of that odd pairing as the flamboyant Castle and the kind of cocky Joe Hendry are working together, and pretty much Dalton Castle's telling him how to pose. One time, it was he's telling him to pose like a tree or like he's throwing the pizza down. But I thought that this is a fun, odd duo. Uh, also, we get highlights from a, the recently turned heel, Sumi Saki, Su, Sukai, versus Nicole Savoy. Uh, Sakai ends up getting DQ'd. Actually, not DQ'd, but uh, Sukai actually kicked the rope and hit uh head official Todd Sinclair in the junk and she kind of cheats hitting hitting a uh, Nicole Savoy with a chain and then hits her across the back with it and hits a reverse neck breaker to get the win and then we get Brian Zane from Wrestling with Regret definitely recommend to check out his channel he's got a lot of good content on there a lot of fun uh pay-per-view reviews and it's just fun content from uh, the Z-Man Brian Zane. Top five factions in Ring of Honor history. First being Scum, Suffering Chaos, Ugliness, and Mayhem. Some members of that were Steve Carino, Jimmy Jacobs, Kevin Steen, Rhett Titus, and Matt Hardy, just to name a few. The Embassy was number four. Prince Nana, Abyss, John Walters were just a couple. Then number three, The House of Truth. Truth Martini as the manager. Michael Elgin, Roderick Strong. Jay Lethal, a couple members of that one. Number two, Age of the Fall, Jimmy Jacobs and Tyler Black, also known as Seth Rollins. Also Necro Butcher, part of that faction. And then the last one, the number one faction in Ring of Honor history from Brian Zane was the Generation Next, Roderick Strong, Alex Shelley, Austin Aries, Chris Sabin, and Jack Evans also later on was Matt Seidel. But, uh, I like these little lists. That's fun stuff to be 
stuff, fun stuff on Ring of Honor TV. And the way I watched Ring of Honor TV was through the Fight app, which they have a plenty of good uh, wrestling shows on that app, including Ring of Honor TV, and also you can also watch uh, Major League Wrestling on there couple of different things and then power it's a little bit delayed from youtube to there but you can watch them on there too but uh the first actual match of the night we get is tracy williams and mark haskins versus bateman and vincent bateman and vincent vincent and bateman end up getting dq'd late in this match but uh not a bad tag team match nothing really all that exciting but uh Bateman and Vincent, they're kind of dark characters on uh, Ring of Honor. And a lot of this was interference from the managers getting involved and such. And eventually it was a... A lot of this had manager interference and stuff. And it never really felt like this match could get in any sort of flow. But uh, Mark Haskins was hitting pump kicks on Bateman and Vincent. And kicks by Haskins and then into a pile driver by Williams. Sharpshooter attempt by Haskins. A One of the managers of Vincent and Bateman juggles, hits him with a block of wood to force the DQ. Bateman puts in a choke. Uh, Williams makes the saves, save, and this was not very good. Way too much interference, way too much of that crap going on. I didn't really enjoy it. And then the other match on the show was an eight-man tag between the Bouncers, the Beer City Bruiser, and Brawler Milonis. And they were on NWA Power just a couple of weeks ago. And then there's two guys, one tag, Silas Young and Josh Woods, another kind of odd couple. They face Dan Moff and Jeff Cobb, which is weird seeing Jeff Cobb on Ring of Honor TV and then seeing him on AEW Dynamite. But they team up with Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. The Ring of Honor Tag Champs. Two guys, one tag. They're the number one contenders for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. And there's a lot of miscommunication between Jeff Cobbs, Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff and uh, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. They kind of refuse to tag them in. But eventually, Moff and company get, Moff and uh, Cobb get in. And Cobb ends up winning after he hits his uh, spinning power slam on a beer city bruiser and and i don't understand the rules of ring of honor tag team matches because it seems like pretty loose because i didn't feel like even beer city bruiser tagged into this match but uh it was uh taking most of the beating was josh woods he was the one kind of fighting back fighting from underneath he looked pretty good he got some opportunities to use his uh, mma kind of repertoire in the match you get to work with jay lethal in this match it was late in the match it was these two teams that were brawling where the two guys one tag and jay lethal and jonathan gresham they were brawling to the outside and that's when cobb hit his kind of reverse spinning power slam on a beer city bruiser to get the win but i i enjoyed this tag match i'm not a big fan of eight man tags because there's way too many things going on but this worked as a build-up towards the eventual clash between two guys, one tag, and Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal. And I thought this show was okay. Some good little video set, good video segments like the Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry one. And this match was all right on the show. Nothing special, but uh, 
I really, and also enjoyed Brian Zane's uh, top five list because it got me to learn a little bit more about some Ring of Honor history. But that'll do it for the weekend review portion. I'll give you my rankings right now. It will be number three Ring of Honor TV in their lone appearance in the weekend review, their special appearance in the weekend review. They could appear later on sometime in the future when either Dynamite or NWA Power aren't on the uh, air. But uh, Ring of Honor TV number three wasn't entertained by a whole lot of it. There's just a couple little things. Monday Night Raw was pretty good overall, the Randy Orton stuff. And also the other matches were including Monday Night Raw at number two. Uh, Seeing AJ Styles back was nice. The Drew McIntyre domination and the Street Profits getting involved in this uh, Seth Rollins feud with Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders. I enjoyed that too. But number one, it's got to be AEW Dynamite this week. From top to bottom, this was a great show. The Tag Team Battle Royal was good. The Chris Statlander Shanna match was good. Everything was good on this show. Nyla Rose speaking with Tony Schiavone. Moxley versus Cobb. Everything delivered. We got build up towards the pay per view coming up in just one week in Chicago. AEW Revolution and the Lucha Brothers and Kenny Omega. Well, Lucha Brothers versus Kenny Omega and Adam Page Tag Team Championship match that delivered also. And the Cody match was absolutely awesome. The first cage match in AEW history. It's going to be tough following that. We got a memorable moment with Cody hitting the giant, I mean giant, moonsault off the top of the cage. And it was a great moment, great match. Made Wardlow look good, made him look like a beast. And we continue to build to AEW Revolution. And AEW just killed it this week. Number one for me is AEW Dynamite. Number two, Monday Night Raw. And number three, Ring of Honor TV. But make sure... Make sure to stay tuned for more content coming up. Next Sunday will be the... AEW Revolution pay-per-view review. It's the way they've been building it. It's going to be a heck of a show. Uh, also, I'll have up next week the week in review coming up on next coming up next Friday. I will not get to watch Super Showdown in time, nor do I really care to review that show. It's kind of a throwaway show. Those Saudi shows kind of seem like they're kind of throwaway shows as we head towards WrestleMania, but I'll still watch it and kind of give you my comments on it in the week in review coming up next Friday. And before I go, make sure to follow me on the socials, Facebook and Twitter at SigDaddyWrestle. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and on the iHeartRadio app. But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.